0: You are Locked On Cowboys, your daily podcast on the Dallas Cowboys, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in. I am your host, Marcus Mosier. You can find me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. And we have another special podcast for you today. Uh, my co-host, Landon McCool, follow him on Twitter at McCoolBCB. Uh was talking with at Cowboy Stats, Daniel Houston, uh, about a lot of intriguing things in terms of Uh, analytics, the relationship between a strong running game and the passing game, play sequencing, when to run the ball, when not to run the ball. Uh, Just a really smart conversation. So we're going to go to part two of that uh, right now. So let's join in with Landon.
1: You know, passing versus running on early downs and the relationship between um, the run game and the pass game. So I, I think let's start there. In your studies and what you've seen so far, what, what is, if there is any, kind of the relation between the having a good running game and the pass game, obviously, but also specifically the play-action pass?
2: Yeah, so let, ju- let's just start with, you know, two simple concepts of rush efficiency and pass efficiency, right? Let's just talk per play um, mm-hmm. to start with. So the... There is a you know there is a relationship uh, that exists uh, between uh, you know teams that run the ball well they're a bit more likely to pass the ball well over the course of an entire team season. Um, this probably isn't surprising for most people to hear. It's it's pretty well uh, uh, within the mainstream uh, view of of how football works, and it makes logical sense. Um, what what interested me is that when I crunch the numbers for roughly the last like 10 uh, seasons um, and took every single team season in that time span. Um, what we saw is that uh, you're, whether you're looking at it in terms of yards per play or EPA per play um, or success rate, uh, you're basically seeing a 10 to 12% uh, relationship where um, uh, the the extent to which you're able to run the ball well explains 12% of the variance in how well you pass the ball over the course of an entire season. Um, that's not a huge relationship, but it's also not nothing in football. Like the relationships between variables and football, because it's such a complex game with so much variance, that's a uh, that's not nothing. Um, so here's the thing that has me scratching my head. Because the traditional explanation for why the run and the pass are linked is that the better you run the ball in a game, the more likely a defense is going to adjust, sell out to the run, and then you're going to be able to pass against them, right? That's kind of the narrative of how that relationship works. When you look, when you, when you drill down, instead of looking at team seasons, and you look at individual games, every single individual game that's been played in the NFL over the past decade or so, what you find is actually no relationship whatsoever between how well a team runs, in terms of yards per play, EPA per play, and how well they pass. Which is fascinating to me, that there is a a noticeable, fairly strong relationship at the team season level. And yet, on the individual game level, that relationship disappears. Um, I don't know what to make of it, to be honest with you. I'm still trying well, let's, to wrap my let, head
1: let's let's talk it. about it because because I, I think this is I actually don't think that that's surprising because I, I think the numbers. I, I think the numbers. Sh- it's weird to me, but it, it, as you know, I, I actually played high, high linebacker in high school, and that uh, that doesn't I don't think apply to any of uh, any conversation <laughs> most of the time when you're talking football. And let me be clear about that. But I think in this instance, we, I can at least say that in the psychology of what you're talking about for like a person who has responsibilities in both the pass and the run game, like ultimately what you're trying to do with the play action pass is manipulate, you know, second and third level defenders into taking a false step and allowing your guys to get an extra step by pulling them into thinking that it's a run play. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, There's no point. There's at no point in the history of the NFL, in the most in the history of college football too, really, that that there's been a team that has thrown the ball so exclusively that it would not make a linebacker not to completely ignore their run responsibility. Mm -hmm. I I think there was. I, I heard an interesting. Uh, conversation uh, from the guys. God, I'm, I should remember their names because I'm referencing their podcast. The sports in, in information uh, guys. God, I can't remember their podcast. Is I'm, I'm terrible, but they're the football outsider folks. It's part of the football outsider. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about you know, having the the great debate about you know the relationship of of of, of, of running versus pass and and you know running and play action pass. And and they brought up the point that like the conversation has gone from running can't affect, you know, play running has a little effect on play action pass or not the same effect that we all perceived it to have to running has no effect. And, and, the, and the truth is that there's no way to test that theory because no one is not, you know, there may be some teams out there that are getting close to not throwing the ball, but no one is not running the ball. Right you know what i'm saying everyone runs the football yeah. on at some percentage and until some team completely gets rid of running the football the run responsibilities of these the, the run responsibilities of these defenders the reaction part of these defenders is always going to be influence influence in the moment no matter what's happening by their run first responsibilities i think that all of this can be explained by the fact that coaches coach their defensive players to react to run first and then drop into, into,
2: I I think there's a lot of evidence that supports that. Um, a lot of evidence that supports that. I mean, you can just look at situational, uh, results. Um, so we can get, we're going to get into this more later, but you know, on early downs, generally speaking, teams get a lot better results when they're passing the ball than when they're running the ball. Um, Mm -hmm. but on third down, even sometimes like third and long or third and mid range, there are situations where running gets you a better result than the pass. And it, you know, it's expectation, right? Yeah. It's, it's it's like some, there is some evidence and it's not entirely certain that, you know, what the the new equilibrium would look like. But I, I do think that there is, um, there's definitely evidence to support the idea that defensive coaches in the NFL are instructing their players to defend the run first, particularly on first down and certain other situations, and that this is the reason why linebackers continually bite on play-action passes, even though play-action passes are much more dangerous than any individual run could reasonably be expected to be before the play. Um, It's it's really interesting because the defense is basically choosing what you would think would be a suboptimal strategy for some of these early downs and yet the offense is running into it anyway a significant share of the time so it's working the defense is winning yeah. that exchange in this environment and this equilibrium and you alluded earlier i think to what it, what would happen if uh someone actually tried to uh, increase their passing rates um cliff kingsbury please i implore you well yeah give we're us more data give us more data, more data. It- show us it's going to give
1: us so, so much better control you know because now you actually have a, a limit an extreme to one end to kind of run all these tests against to see if you know what the success is and unfortunately it's just one team at, at this point but but if he ha- if he has even an emoticon of of success suddenly you're going to have other teams coming in throwing at uh you know 75 eight i don't know 80 percent maybe more yeah. like and 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 that'll be an interesting showing of of what you get. And and that's the other problem is that I think it it kind of, this is my other issue, I guess, in general, with some kind of uh, conclusions that come up to with analytics in general is that it's the idea that, that there isn't, there isn't a reaction to their action, you know, like, like when people, I think there's sometimes that the people like think that, Oh, well, this is a conclusion I'm drawing from this data. And that means that the solution to this conclusion is X. But what they're not accounting for is that teams will just do Y. That is, You know what I'm saying? Like that, It'll instantly flip the equation back, and suddenly we're still chasing that dragon of what the future of football is now we're just doing it with analytics with, you know, involved you understand what I'm saying here? It's like, you know, we can, at what point does the market efficiency flip on the passing versus run game? Because everyone's got 260 pound defensive tackles (laughs) trying to rush the, you know, and suddenly you've got a 220 pound running back and yeah, guess what? It's probably extremely efficient now to run a, a, a HB gut up the middle because you're not turning the ball over and good luck having anyone that's in the defensive backfield tackling this guy so yeah I think that that I don't know I've kind of got off on a tangent there but I, I think this is the only problem I have predictive is that as soon as predictive parts of, of of this thing is that it's it's great for telling us it's great for explaining what happened and and like and, and kind of and again putting context on what happened but there are times I I think the predictive parts of EPA and and this is better in small specific areas, you know, like, and not so much uh, in in larger areas because of that, because that there is – as soon as as soon as someone starts chasing that dragon, someone else will come in and flip it and then, you know we're we're off to the rate. Right. Bill Belichick will figure out that you guys are all idiots <laughs> and that we're good. We're doing this now. No, we're all doing the four three defense and you know it's, it's you know it's and and, and suddenly that, that's what we're doing again. I, I don't know. I guess does any of that make sense, or did I just go off?
2: And- it does. It does make sense. It's what's happened we've seen in other sports, right? The early adopters of some of the uh, the analytic conclusions about inefficiencies in a game. The early adopters of those uh, conclusions uh, gain an edge for a while, and then what happens? The league responds. Now everyone wants to do those things. Um, yeah. The uh, you know, I and mean, just think about kind of what's happened in basketball as more and more teams yeah. have abandoned the mid-range jumper. Why? Because it's it's mm-hmm. a bad play. It's a low percentage shot that uh, comes with lower payoff than if you were standing, you know, a foot further so you back. Get the
1: same points as you do if you dunk the ball. Yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah. it's
2: like. That That's one example in basketball where, yeah, the, the early adopters, the Rockets, for instance, um, they, they kind of, they figured out before everyone else, hey, the mid-range jumper is not helping us. It's actually pretty bad. And just because everyone else is doing it doesn't mean, you know, that, that we should be. And now more and more teams um, are adopting, you know, strategies uh, that kind of lower the the role of the mid-range jumper in their offense. Um, in football, I think you kind of see something similar going on here. And maybe this is a good segue into the conversation on uh, early down play calling. But Mm -hmm. there's this interesting just fact that the results that teams are getting in the NFL, every single NFL team in the league is getting better results on passes on early downs, Um, Mm -hmm. including the teams like the Steelers who are already passing nearly 70% of the time in those early down situations. Um,
1: so there's no element of surprise that they're passing on first down is what, you, is what you're getting at. But they're still getting high EPA value with passing on first downs, even when it's expected. Right.
2: So they are able to, and I, let, let's assume that part of the reason for why a pass is successful is because the opposing defense thinks that it might be a run. Okay. Let's assume that's true, which I think is probably true. Okay. Um, Mm -hmm. If that's true, then the Steelers were able to maintain a credible threat to run before each play, while while throwing the ball seventy percent of the time. Which tells me, at least, this is my guess, my conclusion: they could have passed more, (laughs) you know, and still maintained a credible threat to run, even without. Levy and Bell in the backfield, um, you know, they were able to maintain this this concept of a credible threat to run and pass fairly successfully in those situations. Certainly, more successfully than they were running. So,
1: real quick, you know, kind of putting the knowledge that we've gained just in this podcast <laughs> together, I mean, is there a bottom to like the the threat of the run, credible threat to run?
2: Does that ever, uh, does that ever disappear? We don't know. Like, how how could we possibly know? Because the NFL <laughs> See, teams are uh, not—they're—they're they're not at the optimal level. Like, they're not at a I rate think... where passes and rushes are giving you equal payoff. But in theory, you could reach an equilibrium point at like eighty-five percent passing on that in that situation. So you pass eighty-five percent of the time, maybe then you would be getting roughly equal results. But what we know is that. Even the teams that are passing 70% of the time are getting better results on passing plays. And it's not really even close, frankly. It's every single team in the NFL. And it's, it's just this huge opportunity, I think, for, for some teams to come in in this environment while defenses are still playing the run this way on early downs and to gain an edge. I think it's a big opportunity for those reasons. But I have no way of knowing and no one has any way of knowing. Uh, what the optimal ratio is in this environment, or what the ratio would be after defense is Because they adjust. haven't reached
1: the wall yet. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's interesting because I, I, I do think that I do think that you know because of what we talked about, because of the way that they're coached, you know, for for them to coach to to actually coach against that, to try to coach that out of them. Um, even for like, I mean, because that's the other thing too, is that you have to think when you're coaching that, like that's, that's an install thing. That's not like a game planning for a specific team thing until you're playing that right. team that week, you know? And so that's, that becomes a difficult thing because even if you take the time to coach that out of your guys for that week, I mean, that's, that's a really difficult thing to kind of go back and forth on with them, you know? And, and, and especially since, that can just turn around, be turned around, and taken advantage of in its own way by pa- calling a very you know cheeky draw play, yeah. and, and and suddenly you've hit someone in the mouth with a speeding running back at you know twenty five miles an hour with no hands yeah. on them. So
2: the defensive tendencies, I, I think they're you know this is this is all theory at this point. This isn't you know yeah. But the these players are coached from high school through college the pros mm-hmm. years and years of experience Young younger, coaching, that. younger yeah, that. telling them to play the run first in those situations when they see a run look in a certain situation like an early down they play the because run. they can recover
1: i'll just take that another i'll take that another step further I, I think that the reason it is that way is because you have time when it's a passing play even if it's even if it's a short even if it's a quick passing play there's there's still a certain amount of setup Mm -hmm. get back on that back foot fire the ball out in a run play it's if you lose that step if you don't get to your gap in 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 in, in, as a defense as a defender in your in your in your your fit it's over right the guard the guard or the tackle gets the leverage on you the holes created the running backs through and past the second Mm -hmm. level so I think you can get right, you know, or, or you, your teammate can help you get right in in a, in a pass coverage situation in a drop by, you know, through pass rush through an, another play. I, I think that that's a lot more, a lot easier to correct, especially for second level defenders. Uh, but I think, you know, if you miss the, 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 your key on a, on a run, run fit, you're going to get a bad angle and it's over. So that is, and so the, the, um, I think it's, you know, now that we've kind of talked it out a little bit, that is such a fascinating market efficiency yeah. for for offensive coordinators because I mean you're now playing, you're now fighting the defender's tendencies. Yeah, you know, you're making the defender's tendencies work against him it, worse than just a play action situation because I mean because it is play action, but it's beyond that. It's like I think teams are abandoning play action because they assume that it's going to stop working. But truth is, play action doesn't really
2: stop working. Yeah, and there's separate, you know, like Ben Baldwin did some work for Football Outsiders that suggested that the more you use play action, it it doesn't really decline in effectiveness. Play action is effectively, there was an article in Grantland a few years back um, that was basically arguing that the play action passes the corner three of the NFL. It's the most efficient, mm-hmm. highest payoff uh, play. Your completion percentage, even on downfield passes, where you would normally have low completion percentage, is much higher. Your uh, EPA and, and everything, just everything. Play action passes are beautiful. They're wonderful. The Cowboys should play action pass way more than they should do. Um, but anyway, I'm getting off track. Um, the there, There's a little more interesting evidence here, too, that I didn't bring up. So um, Josh Hermsmeyer of Five Thirty Eight did an article. Yes, Frisco Josh. Yeah, yeah, yes. Frisco Josh on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, he did uh, an article on five thirty-eight in the middle of this past season using NFL tracking data and basically found that no matter how often teams were, uh, you know, using the play action pass in an individual game, whether they did it six times, seven, eight, even 11, 12 times in a single game. The linebackers bit every bit as hard on that eleventh time that yeah. they used the play action yeah. as they did because, in like because the third time.
1: Take take all the information that you know about. I mean, think about, let's just talk about Jason Garrett, right? Mm-hmm. Think about how they coach these guys. Forget about last play. Forget about what what happened to play before. Like you're not you're not. It, it, I think people think of it more linear, like, you know, Oh, he's thinking, he's thinking about that play before. Maybe the cornerbacks are, maybe the cornerbacks are thinking about like the, you know, their relation to what's happening with the wide receiver, but the rest of these guys are not, they're living and dying play to play. So like, they're not like learning from their mistake mm-hmm. unless a coach is telling them to do that. So I I think there is something there because I think that if you just I think th- there's an element of of the analytic part that I think that is helpful, and that's actually trying to figure out the psychology of why a player is doing that, you know, and why why you're seeing this uh, what is it statistical anomaly this this whole this this inefficiency or whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it, and, and I think that the find trying to decipher, you know, you don't want to play psychologist all the time, but you're trying to figure out why you're able to exploit that. Right. So that you can kind of design ways to, con- you know, exploit it in different ways or, or to find the shape of it. Right. And, and I think that, um, you know, the, one of the things that's really fascinating to me there is that because players are so myopic to the play at hand, they're so in the moment that I think that lends to what we've been talking about, that like that is just going to continue to work because it's so instinctual. Mm-hmm they've repped it so many times they've, they saw the guards foot go left. So they're going that direction, mm-hmm. you know, they, they, whatever their key, their key is. And I think that, you know, that we talked about, I think that the, the Cowboys, when they played the Rams, they, they talked about that, that how the Rams were able to kind of manipulate the Cowboys run keys at times. Mm-hmm and and i think that this is kind of right along those is like you're using your the players instincts against them and i think that this what this is proving is that that's that i mean they're not they're not learning you know whether it's the big, it's the first quarter or the fourth quarter and they've had a game filled with play action they're still taking that step before they drop in, into the pass coverage right mm-hmm. i mean that's basically what josh came up with at, at this yeah. point yeah
2: no i mean it's I think there's just a ton of evidence to support that idea and just add add to that, just how coaches talk about the game and their priorities. Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah. There was a, you, you might remember uh, a couple weeks back, I think uh, snacks had a tweet and uh, he was touching on this. He was like, y'all are so critical. People on Twitter are so critical of, you know uh, how you, how you play the pass or the run as a defense. But he's like look at look at the opposing offenses. The opposing offenses are running the ball more often in these situations than they do in the others. So we're focusing on stopping the run. It's logical and he's right. Until offenses yeah, change is. their offensive like philosophy on the early downs and change how they're you've calling got,
1: plays. You have got to make them stop it, yeah. right? Like you've got to make them you got to make them stop leaning so heavily on that. And then the market efficiency
2: will Yeah. Change. So I have no idea what early downs and early down play calling and outcomes is going to look like a decade from now. I don't know how defenses are going to adjust or even how much they can adjust. Because I do think that there is an inherent sense in which the forward pass is more advantageous than a handoff behind the line of scrimmage. Um, But I think it's highly situational, too. And it's highly dependent on how the defense is playing. Um, So I have no idea what that's going to look like in 10 years. I'm pretty sure it's going to look a lot different than it does now, though. I think there are going to be teams, and we're, we're, we might even start to see it, perhaps with Kingsbury or perhaps when more of these teams that are hiring uh, you know, people from the analytics community, like the Ravens recently, um, the, the Panthers. Um, once yeah. we see more of these people actually entering the, uh, the NFL um, teams and uh, the decision-making process, I think we're going to see some change on this front, where the early adopters are really successful, or at least are gaining a a measurable edge, and others are going to look to emulate it, and the game is going to change, just like we've seen some other sports, um, where the same thing is unfolded at a different pace.
1: Before we move on to uh, the next topic, uh, what are some good runs? Like what? What are I mean? I, I guess I'm I'm being unkind when I say that, but I mean because I, I like running the football yeah. a lot. But uh, what? But what? Like from an EPA standpoint, like when is the efficiency higher than than? Or or when are we? When are we the royal? We not running the football enough, or how are we not running the
2: football? Enough? See, I love this question because there are you wouldn't know it probably from Twitter, but there are situations in which the nerds the nerds, would point the fingers at the football guys and the coaches and say, you the aren't nerds? running the ball enough. And they would be wow. right, I think. So here's some of those situations. Third down in general, um, it's very difficult to pass on third down. It's very difficult to pass for the amount that you need, the specific amount of yards that you need on first down. I think conceptually we all know that. So rushing is often a better alternative to that. Um, especially third and short, fourth and short, um, those situations running the ball, especially if you're like spreading out the defense, there's not a lot of men in the box. You're much more likely to succeed in those situations. Um, and that's a great opportunity, I think for teams to lean less on the pass and more on the traditional handoff or perhaps a run pass option type uh, approach or even getting the quarterback involved. Um, then there's within 10 yards of the goal line. So if you're right about to score within 10 yards of the goal line, the runs are much more effective than if you were at the same down and distance, but further back. Um, uh, and I think part of this is, you know, uh, is kind of uh, unique situations with regard to uh, how difficult it can be to pass in that part of the field. Um, yeah. But uh, so the, the running game becomes more valuable there and is probably, if anything, underutilized. At the goal line and then there's the um the unicorn here is quarterback rushes so mm. i i've the more i've looked at this and the more i've looked at running plays uh, from the, the the literal running back um, and the quarterback i don't even think of them as the same type of play anymore like qb rushes are not like running back rushes at all um they're much more productive on a per play basis, they're much more likely to end in a first down, um, to go for more yardage, um, or to produce a situation from which you're more likely to convert. Um, they have higher touchdown rates. Um, if you if you were to look at the things that really matter beyond yardage, like first downs and touchdowns, and you compare Dak and his average rush to Zeke's average rush, Dak's playing from a tremendous advantage in that the defense can't fully account for him as a runner, and also stop mm-hmm. the run. Uh, the, the traditional handoff, that is, and also can account for the pass. They can't account for it all. Right. all and he's not a better runner than Zeke, but his rushes are so much more productive. Um, and it's a big part of where he gets his value from, in my view. Um, not the majority of why. He's a good passer. But he he has this rushing threat that the Cowboys are able to utilize to great effect um the design concepts the scrambles all of it's good QB rushes are really really good they're actually on par with passing plays um in terms of their expected um payoff so
1: it's it's fascinating real quick it's fascinating to me that dak has this trait that makes him like i think special mm-hmm. right and to me specifically his ability to run the football effectively. It's not that he's, you know, faster than other running backs. I mean, he's he is fast, but he's he's not like a blazer. I think he's just explosive, mm-hmm. like he he for you know what I'm saying for he could really get up and go quickly and I think it changes the angles quickly. But beyond that, it seems that for all the reasons you talked about because from an X's and O standpoint, the, the reason you even do quarterback run is because obviously you get a numbers advantage immediately. Mm-hmm. Because of, of just the the way it works, how many people there in the box? You know, the the quarterback usually not being accounted for in most run fits. <laughs> so I, I think I agree. Like it's it's interesting because the overall argument of does Dak need Zeke to be effective or valuable? I, I would say no, because I think what Dak does as a passer is what makes him. "Quote unquote valuable, mm-hmm. but I do think that Zeke does contribute to Dak's effectiveness as a quarterback, designed quarterback runner, because there's deception involved in the same way, maybe, maybe even to the same percentage points uh, that play action that that running affects." The pass. You understand what I'm saying? So, like, I think there may be something. I I don't have any numbers there, but I, I do wonder if that is the way in which Zeke really does affect Dak's value. Is is Dak has extreme value as a running option, especially in the you know the red mm -hmm. zone near the goal line, Um, and I think Zeke does have an effect there. Yeah,
2: it's it's a tough thing to to you know, to answer, um, and to know and have any degree of confidence in like, yeah, so here's what I'm pretty confident of the presence of the running back as a rushing threat enhances the quarterback's, um, uh, value on a potential rush. That is absolutely, I mean, conceptually sound, I think,
1: um, it draws attention because, at the very least, you think if this is a run, the running back is the person who's the threat, right?
2: And so, I think that's definitely the case. So, in that sense, I do think Zeke plays a big role in Dak's ability to run on those plays. the The question is, how much does Zeke's reputation as a premier elite back, right? Like, how much does his reputation um, and his performance on previous plays um, affect how the defense? Is playing Dak on those rushes,
1: um, and that's just tough. Man, you know, that's
2: just tough to know. That's
1: th- that's the toughest part of all of this. Is that the psychology? And week this is what we we're just talking about. Figuring out the psychology part is. Uh, I mean, I think I don't know if this is actually part part of analysis that eventually is going to come in, but I think that that is like the final leg of total analysis of what's happening on the football yeah. field, right? Like, because you, 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 without intent, you know, without knowing what is in a person's mind, you don't really know why they're doing what they're doing. And, and without knowing why, I mean, that's what coaching yeah. is, is. Understanding the why, of why a player does, and then manipulating and exploiting. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I think that's it's the analytics helps find new avenues new tools to, to to do what you want to do they don't always explain the why uh, all the time and that 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 sometimes takes you know a coach because you have to know what is in the, the programming for the player or or you know or it takes a player themselves to be like so why did you do what you did and and, and maybe we can kind of reverse engineer, all the all the different aspects of it, but I, I do love the conversation around the you know play sequencing and run pass splits because I do think there is a lot of market inefficiency there in the NFL because of you know traditionalism, whatever you want to call it.
0: That's it for today's show. Thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow Landon at McCoolBCB. Make sure you follow Daniel Houston on Twitter. He's at CowboyStats. Just a fantastic follow. Uh, Tomorrow we will release part three, the final... uh, part of the, the, the conversation with Daniel. Uh, again, uh, just another really interesting conversation. Uh, I think Landon and Daniel have just absolutely crushed this series. So make sure you guys tune in for that. Uh, follow the show at Lockdown Cowboys. I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier and we will see you guys next time.